Welcome in. We're glad you're joining us for the latest edition of the Delaware Bible Cast, a podcast ministry here at Delaware Bible Church. I'm Brad Harris, and I serve as pastor of administration and outreach here at Delaware Bible Church. And joining us for today's podcast is one of the missionaries that we support here at Delaware Bible Church uh, that has joined us previously for a podcast, but just like last time, as this missionary has joined us, due to the missionary work that they do and due to the uh, areas that they go to and the hostility of the gospel in those ministries, we are not going to be revealing any more about our missionary guest for today. But we are going to say thanks for joining us today. So thank you for joining us. Glad to be here. We are going to jump in to the titled topic for today, Every Missionary Goes to Someone Else's Jerusalem. So I'm just going to hand things off to our missionary guest now to share with us. Well, it's a tremendous opportunity for me to challenge, I believe, our missionaries here in the United States, as well as I challenge the um, missionaries in local churches in countries around the world. I have the privilege of standing in front of congregations, like tonight, having the opportunity to be in front of Delaware Bible Church, and seek to inspire those churches, this church, in the sending of missionaries around their world. And I think that's really a very important aspect of this uh, conversation that I would like to uh, promote and even use the word provoke to get a discussion going on how we send missionaries today. Um, we have uh, done wonderfully over the years sending missionaries out who have done great works in various places around the world. But today we find ourselves in a different set of circumstances. This is the 21st century. Uh, this is a, an age where the population of the world has just grown in such an enormous way. Uh, 1960, there were 3 billion people. Now, we, here we are in 2021 with 7.5 billion people. And uh, as we consider the whole aspect of missions and sending missionaries around the world to the various places where we can go, I believe that it is important for our American missionaries to take a another look at how it is that they are doing their ministry, and instead of actually saying it that way, how they are doing their ministry, instead I'd like to uh, encourage that our missionaries begin to think about how it is that the national believers that they minister to are going to do their ministry. And that's why I've asked to entitle this time, Every Missionary Goes to Someone Else's Jerusalem. And it doesn't matter where I go in our world today. Uh, what I'm trying to do as I stand in front of congregations is try to encourage those congregations to be thinking of how they are now the Jerusalem from which their missionaries are meant to go to their world. And, and so as I leave from the United States where I have been involved in missions for now uh, 30 years and went to the country of Australia for eight years as a missionary to do the work of the ministry. Uh, now I'm heading out to these various countries uh, with the opportunity to try to challenge them to send their missionaries to their world. Every missionary, therefore, leaving from our shores goes to some place in the world 
where it is the responsibility of the local churches in that place to send their missionaries to their world. We talk about here in America, starting where we are, well, we're here we are right here in Delaware. From Delaware, the gospel, according to Acts 1.8, would be going out to uh, the state of Ohio. From the state of Ohio, it would go out to the country of the United States and from the country of the United States to all countries around the world. When we cross a border, say we're going to go into the country of Kenya, one of the countries where I've had opportunity to go. When I go to that city there, uh, Eldorot, and I stand in front of a congregation in Eldorot, I am there not to reach Eldorot, though I, in past might have considered that my responsibility. It might have been my objective. Go to Eldorot, start a church, uh, plant a church there, and, uh, and encourage that church to become strong, take on a national pastor, and then I would go on to uh, Nairobi, and I would start to plant a church there. I, I would think in terms of what is it that I'm going to do now that I'm crossing the border into Kenya, entering into the city of Eldorot or Nairobi, what is it that I'm going to do to reach that city and thereby touch lives within that country? Now what I would be suggesting that our missionaries be looking at is that any time that they would cross that border into Eldorot or cross the border into Nairobi, the purpose would not be to establish some wonderful ministry in Eldorot or wonderful ministry in Nairobi, but instead that they would be going to establish uh, uh, a ministries. They would be going to reach out to national believers in Eldorot. And in the process of reaching national believers in Eldorot, they would then be seeking to see how those people can now send their missionaries from Eldorot to uh, the uh, county, the the district in which Eldorot is at, with the view that they would also be sending missionaries out to all of Kenya, and from Kenya then out to all of their world. And the beauty of going to a place like Kenya is that in Eldorot there are churches there already, the fruit of missionary ministries over the years. And so it's not necessarily that we're going to be going to a place like Eldorot to start a church. Rather, we go there to inspire the churches that are already there, the fruit of missions over the past number of years. Then, instead of uh, just simply going there to continue the ministry of reaching Eldorot, we go there with the idea of challenging Eldorot churches to reach their world. I saw this happen in Uganda, where I had the opportunity to talk to a, a, a pastor who got what we were trying to do. He, he was there in that uh, place, and he said, we have a missionary that would like to cross the border into another country. And uh, that uh, country is uh, ready to receive them. He has people there that are ready to receive him. They're ready to talk, uh, to allow him to plant a church. They're just ready for him to come. Uh, can you help us send our missionary to that country? 
And I said, you know, you're you're just uh, you're really talking my language here because you've said that you've got five churches that are ready to send this missionary. They have this much money. Uh, they need uh, this much more money. Can you help us do that? That's exactly what I think my ministry is all about. Um, and I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to help your missionary cross that border. However, can I just suggest something to you? In the country that you're sending that your missionary there, I already have a partnership with national churches in that country. And in that country, I have this partnership where really the, the, the amount of money that's required for a Ugandan to cross this border, for that same money, I could actually go to this partnership I already have within the country and help three people go out to plant churches within that country. Might I suggest to you that instead of sending your missionary there across that border to do something, plant a church. Instead, why don't you send your missionary, an experienced church planner, send your missionary across that border to plant, to train church planters. Instead of going to do something, in fact, I've, I've used this phrase along with every missionary crosses a border uh, into someone else's Jerusalem. I've combined that with the statement, don't send your missionary to do something, which sounds rather astounding all by itself. You got to finish the statement. Don't send your missionary to do something. Send your missionary to train and assist nationals in that country to do something. And in this case, what is what has happened is, uh, you know, I, I came back after having that, giving that counsel to the uh, to the uh, church leader, and the church leader notified me several weeks later that they sent the man to across the border. And I said, "Great," and I began to do our part of the partnership. But I waited to see what would happen, and about six months later, we received the report from that missionary, and that missionary said that he was training. 12 church planters. Instead of getting three church planters by helping three men from that country do what one Ugandan might do, one church, now their possibility lies in front of this missionary that 12 people, 12 men, would plant 12 churches within that country. This is the kind of multiplication that I'm trying to encourage. Uh, we can go out, our missionaries can go out, they can do one church, or we can send experienced people across borders to train multiple national believers to do uh, far more, in this case 12 instead of one, far more than we could ever do simply by ourselves. And in a world of 7.5 billion people and a shrinking missionary workforce, what we need is more missionaries, more nationals. In fact, I think we I, I talk about multiplied national believers now being sent by their churches. If our missionaries would cross the border for the purpose of training their missionaries to reach their world, we could multiply this whole 
system and see it just expand into, in, in a large way uh, beyond what we ourselves could do to what could be done by many who are trained. So it begins with, who do we send as American missionary? Send a person who's experienced in ministry. Particularly if we're talking about church planting, send a missionary who has experienced church planting. And that may mean that they have to stay here in the United States until they have either planted a church or participated in the planting of the church. So they know what it means to plant a church. Send experienced people across borders for the purpose of not planting a church, but training nationals to plant church. I throw out this one observation. What if uh, we send an experienced church planter to a major city, whatever country it is that you're trying to reach, whatever border that missionary is crossing, send an experienced church planter across that border, let him find four national believers— and then help them, train them, help them, assist them to train a, to plant a church on every corner of that city. Instead of one church in one suburb that maybe takes a long time to do, you have four nationals, people of that culture, people who know the language, and they know everything about the people they're reaching. You get four churches and perhaps even four churches in a shorter period of time. And it just multiplies. And I think that whatever our mission's uh, strategy is today, we need to be done with addition. And we need to be working on only those things that truly multiply. And you can apply that to several areas of, of the mission's effort today. But I, I apply it to that one. You know, that's one story. This Ugandan man crossing a border, now training 12 missionaries. I sat with the man and talked with him in Uganda, and he said, I, I crossed this border, and actually it's a dangerous border that he crosses. He says, when I cross this border, uh, you know, I'm, I'm at, at risk. Uh, if they find me, they will they will take my money. They will probably injure me. So I cross very secretly. When I get to the place where these twelve men are, I gather them in the in the in the room and and I train them in church planning efforts. And then uh, I I send them out. I send them out by uh, groups of three. We have four preaching points. He said, and we send them out three three by three, and the uh, they're going to these preaching points. Eventually, one of the three will take that church, and they will plant that church there, and the other two will go on to some other place where they will now establish another preaching point for the purpose of raising up a place where one will stay and the other one will go on. In that way, and in that, uh, those, those 12 men will become experienced themselves. And uh, they will go on out into the country. They'll be people of the country. You're not kicking those people out. They'll be trained, and they'll be going. And then as, as they go out into their various places, then it is that they could possibly then be the one who crosses a border. Now, as an experienced church planner themselves, now they cross into the next country, for the purpose not of planting a church in that next country, but for the purpose of raising up church planters in that next country from churches who are then trying to reach their world. 
And I think that's that's just has become to me uh, a, an incredible strategic opportunity that I'm hoping we can just see uh, take root and uh, be multiplied over and over. Well, amen, brother. I appreciate you sharing that. And I say amen to the model that you shared and the method that you shared there for ministry regarding missions. A couple follow-up questions uh, that I would have for you. First of all, you mentioned, uh, folks, we're talking our context in the U.S., going over to foreign countries and uh, looking to recruit, train church planters. What would you say with that training that they would give to these nationals? What would that entail? Okay. Uh, Again, we've been in some of these countries, well, wherever our American missionaries are serving, and in the traditional sense, we've been in those countries for a number of years. And many of them, if, if not all of them, have some sort of training centers that are, have been training people for ministry. Uh, now what you're, you're dealing with is you're dealing with um, people who are coming out of their schools where they've been trained for ministry. Uh, they've been, I, I've been encouraging them to go back to their churches to be recognized by their churches as experienced individuals or, or, or as, as, as workers within their church and then called into missions. Uh, so the training is really done by the people who are there or by the ministries that have already existed for some time. It's, it's just a matter of now um, going beyond uh, just simply doing training, but doing training now of people who are going to go out and do church planning ministry. So the training in and of itself, you would say, uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this, would vary potentially, not the doctrine, not the core biblical beliefs and the teaching and, and those things, but how it's done, the way it's done, could vary from context to context depending Absolutely. on where they're at. Absolutely. One other question uh, to ask is, uh, we talked a lot regarding church planters, uh, and generally, when we think of a church planter, we think of someone that is leading a ministry. We think of a man. And from our church's uh, biblical theology, we would say, yes, if they're going to be a pastor, if they're going to be leading, uh, ch- uh, preaching and proclaiming the truth they, to a congregation, they would be a man there. But women in, in within this context in regards to missions and the way that you have shared here, uh, training nationals and those things, how could a woman get involved in this ministry model? One of the, uh, we have a significant number of national believers who are being assisted uh, through their churches to go out in the ministry. One one of those is a lady who is uh, being uh, who is on the list and is receiving support from the churches. Uh, and she is working across the border into a country where she is training other women. And it's actually a, a, a women's ministry that she's involved in, and she is using this ministry opportunity, a teaching role in order to bring people and then witness to them and, uh, and, and bring them to Christ. Uh, and so there is every opportunity for uh, women to get involved in going over, uh, obviously not to be planting a church, but to be participating in mm-hmm. the church planting effort. Uh, I, I've had uh, opportunity to try to, um, I took a couple, the woman of this couple is actually the evangelist in the family. 
Uh, the man is is a very quiet individual, mm-hmm. but uh, she is the real evangelist. And I had an opportunity to take her across one of these borders. And the whole purpose of taking her across was to try to utilize her evangelistic skills to look for those who, well, first of all, to challenge all the women that she was able to speak with, to challenge them to be involved in evangelism. But I was particularly looking for her to find, uh, if, I, if the word's a proper word, kindred spirit. Mm-hmm. And uh, those that would she would see as being, uh, having the evangelistic spirit that she herself had. Uh, we're not all evangelists. Only some are evangelists, but we're all meant to be evangelistic. And so the challenge was to all the women to be evangelistic, but I was looking for her to identify some who would, you know, really be uh, sent out for the purpose of evangelism amongst women and children. Some cultures that you enter into, men do not talk to women. Hmm. Very true. And so the only people who can reach the women are the women themselves talking with one another. On the other side is, is that uh, who has the greatest ministry with children? Often women. Often yeah. women. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the real purpose was to try to stir up the evangelistic fervor of women. I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. I took her to do that. Sure, absolutely. And it was really exciting to see how that worked out. She saw one in the north of the country and one in the south of the country. She says, she named those two, mm-hmm. and uh, we're still looking at uh, the opportunity of seeing them, you know, not only be the evangelists, but also to be, encourage other women to be evangelistic. Wonderful, wonderful. Last question uh, that we'll have for today's podcast is in regards to prayer. And so as we have worked through these uh, May Missions podcasts, I've been specifically asking those who have been sharing uh, in regards to prayer. And my question for you in regards to missions, in regard to um, the work that you're involved in, again, not going through any specifics there, but how can we be praying for missions, specifically with what you shared and in general? I, I think the, the first thing to do is pray for open eyes, people to open their eyes and, and recognize that missions uh, is not, the Great Commission is not being fulfilled by traditional missionary methods. We are doing a work amongst the places where we can. There is a host of places where very little is being done. And so our prayer, or the prayer, it would be that that uh, uh, American churches would uh, open their eyes to see the entire world, to recognize that there is there is little that they themselves can do, but there is something that they can do. And that something is that they can help national churches in these countries or who surround these countries that do not grant missionary visas. There, there is a way that you can fulfill the Great Commission to all of the world from Delaware. But it may not be because we send an American to do it. Hmm but because we send an American across the border to stir up the national churches who will send their missionaries. And ultimately, by doing so, we do fulfill the Great Commission. Pray that God will uh, help us 
to uh, expand this concept. And uh, that's, that's, that's my prayer, and that's what I would ask for people to pray. Wonderful. Well, we will continue to be praying for you and your ministry, as well as those things that you outlined and shared with us. Again, we appreciate and thank you joining us again for the podcast. We're always appreciative of our listeners joining in. We hope that you have a wonderful week ahead, and we look forward to sharing with you again soon. Have a great one.